You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Wednesday. Boomer, it's Wednesday. I just realized. Play it loud. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. (laughs) Guess what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. <laughs> Welcome to hump day. It is, uh, it is the midweek. You are halfway to Friday. So, uh, congratulations for making it halfway and, uh, yep. Got a Got a good day laid on for you. Got some good stuff to cover down on and boomer is on the board. Hey bro. How you doing today? Doing good. Good, good, good. Glad you're, uh, Glad you're here because I wouldn't know what to do if you weren't there. Right. <laughs> you could just push a button and it'd all start I'd for just, you, right? It just, it just would, surely it would happen, right? No. <laughs> Be almost as sure as uh, McCarthy getting elected Speaker of the House. Just, you know, that, that's sure. Uh, <laughs> hey, we got a bunch of stuff on the show for you. So at 4 o'clock today, you know, it's Wednesday, 4 o'clock, Grand Council. So Grand Council with Jeff Poor and Dale Jackson. Gets a little lively sometimes. You guys stay tuned. We'll have the uh, Grand Council on at 4 p.m. And then I got a triple dipper, some of which you can predict and some of which you can't. So go ahead and play it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right. The Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Yep. Uh, so number one, uh, Congressional Chess, part two. Uh, so yesterday was Congressional Chess, apparently part one, and, and they're still going. Uh, the chess pieces are being moved. Kevin McCarthy's doing all he can, and they don't have a solution yet. We'll talk about it in great detail because some very interesting things just happened in the last few minutes right before I came on the air. They're about to go to the sixth vote. They've already done it three or twice today so far. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Congressional chess, part two. Um, all right, number two, shine a little light. I kept finding stories about the things that Republicans say they're going to be able to disclose or get a hold of once the majority is fully seated. I mean, some of this stuff is like super interesting. It's like, to me, it's almost like Area 51 kind of stuff. Like, we've got to know what are the 400 extra pages of Biden laptop material that they don't want to disclose at the FBI? You know, what, what, what really are the files in the January 6th commission that have been locked up under seal that are not being made available to the public eye. Why is that, by the way? So, yeah, we're going to talk about all these things. Number two on the Triple Dipper, shine a little light. And then number three, it appears to be open season on ESG. You've heard me talk about it before, environmental, social, and governance. It's this woke way of handling investment portfolios and banking and business and corporate structure. It basically says, you know what? Profits are not what we're here about anymore. Profits should take a second you know, a second place to... Things like how well you go after green energy policies and are you woke enough when it comes to social matters. And No, that's not what it's supposed to be. We're going to talk about it because it appears to be finally open season on ESG. That's number three on the Triple Dipper. All right, let me jump over to my comments because 
We're looking right now at McCarthy is like, for instance, a text from Daniel from Tullahoma just, just texted in and said McCarthy's 0 for 5. And he is. McCarthy's 0 for 5. But here's the deal. There's been a great deal of debate about the debates in Washington the last few days. Now, I'm sure you've been hearing about the ongoing saga of Congressman Kevin McCarthy and his bid to be Speaker of the House, right? We talked about it on this show quite a bit. We'll talk about it more in a few minutes. Votes are being counted. Fingers are being pointed. Names are being called. Hands are being wrung. Pundits are expressing dismay. New members of Congress have not been officially sworn in, which means they aren't yet on the government payroll. Government, or excuse me, committee chairmanships are not yet official. Investigations into Hunter Biden, the Wuhan lab, the January 6th files, Twitter suppression, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, and all sorts of other egregious doings of the establishment in the deep state have not yet instigated. Is it chaos on the floor of the House? Mm, sort of, but not really. And what I mean by that is, the best way to gauge the mood is less of what's being said in front of the cameras and more as to the mood you can actually see on the House floor. I mean, Bloomberg came out this morning with an article that clearly and unequivocally stated in the headline that conservatives have thrown Congress into chaos. But yet chaos is not what we're watching, as all members of Congress are actually seated in the chamber. I mean, seated together since God knows when. The debates are being held in the public eye. The clerk of the House is deliberatively calling the roll for each person to either answer or abstain. And you can watch. As members huddle together for discussions, they joke in the far corners, they compare notes on what they know and who they know. I mean, Twitter blew up yesterday when conservative members of Congress, Paul Gosar and Matt Gates, were seen having an actual amicable conversation on the House floor with none other than progressive Democrat squad member Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, the horror! Members of Congress actually talking to one another, in public no less. In truth, I believe that what we're watching is refreshing. We are seeing actual debate with actual roll call votes by members who are actually present for duty. I mean, for the past several years, the Pelosi regime has shut the doors of Congress to the general public, allowed committee meetings to take place by Zoom, and votes, quote, on the floor were being done by proxy. Did you know that the 4,155-page, $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package was passed by the U.S. Senate a couple of weeks ago? It was transferred to the House and Pelosi brought that behemoth piece of legislation to a floor vote in just a few hours. No public debate to speak of, no hashing out of amendments in committee. And when the final votes were cast, there were 200 members of Congress who didn't even show up. They just cast their votes by phone. So I am not a bit put off by a few days of wrangling in which a few members of the rank and file, with no establishment backing and no choice committee assignments and really everything to lose, are able to stand together on principle for a while to try and achieve some modicum of reforms to an otherwise broken and bent Congress. I mean, this is not only necessary, it's right. It's good. It's what democracy is supposed to look like. The ability for elected representatives to take the floor and to hold sway over something they believe is antithetical to the reasons for which they were elected is one of the hallmarks of a free society. But right now, the accusations of belligerence and showboating and obstructionism are flying from the mainstream media and from the moderate Republicans. That's typical of a side that doesn't have the angles it needs for free and open debate. Ronald Reagan once said, too often character assassination has replaced debate in principle here in Washington. Destroy someone's reputation, you don't have to talk about what he stands for. Well, both sides need to take a step back from personal attacks. Matt Gates, he needs to argue his points and quit writing snide letters calling his fellow congressman a squatter for the sole purpose of creating embarrassment. 
Dan Crenshaw, he needs to back off the condescending comments about those who aren't on board and realize that his own fellow Texan is one of the ones leading the charge. And Alabama's own Mike Rogers, well, he needs to forego any further threats to have committee assignments revoked for those who don't jump in line to award McCarthy a position that he obviously has not earned yet in the minds of 10% of the GOP House caucus. I mean, I can think of plenty of times in the Alabama State Senate when I would find myself saying aloud that I don't mind healthy debate if the other side is truly of the belief that their side has merit. I mean, political posturing and grandstanding, that would get old. But I never minded when someone of a different position and sometimes in my own party differed on an issue and was willing to go to the mat to deliver their thoughts. And let me tell you, man, we had some lively caucus meetings where sometimes voices were raised and feelings got hurt and and agreements were eventually made. We got a lot done, a lot. That was infighting within our own caucus, much less what happens on the floor. So all the whining and the hand-wringing about jeopardizing the Republican agenda is premature, in my opinion. The truth is that McCarthy has had months to work this out, but he didn't think he needed to. The prevailing wisdom said that he wouldn't have but maybe four or five of his caucus holding out, but instead he has 20, actually 21 now. And the debate continues and consensus has yet to be reached. But one of my other favorite politicians of all time, former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, she once said, true consensus is the absence of leadership. Meaning that if everyone automatically always agrees and no one questions, then it really means no one's leading. Well, right now on the floor of the U.S. House, we are watching true democracy in action. We are nowhere near the point that we should be concerned about the wheels coming off. We are nowhere near the possibility of the Republican agenda being thwarted. We are nowhere near the cusp of seeing investigations into Hunter Biden's laptop jeopardized by political wrangling. None of that is a true concern for those who know the value of real debate. Real debate the kind that's open and transparent and sometimes messy. Real debate, the kind that we haven't seen in Pelosi's Congress in quite some time. Real debate, the kind that brings negotiated outcomes that have the potential of making our congressional majority even stronger. Real debate, the kind that grown men and women are supposed to be able to handle. Real debate, the kind that our founding fathers contemplated when they set up the legislative branch to begin with. The truth be told, I would be far more concerned if there was no debate ongoing. So this is healthy, in my opinion. This is democracy in action. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, there you go. Uh, we got a ways to go on this. We'll see how it works out. If they're they're going to get there eventually. But the truth be told, the conservatives who are holding the line right now have every right to do what they're doing. And the fact that it's taken five or six votes, so freaking what? All we're doing is watching actual debate where Pelosi has led us in a different direction for so long that people have forgotten what debate is worth. Well, I say debate. Let's see where it goes. Let's see if they can work this out. It's not time to wring our hands yet. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative. Just plain right. Uh, we we're tracking right now. Things are developing even as we speak. So I've got, uh, you know, number one of the Triple Dipper that we'll kick into here in a minute is Congressional Chest Part 2. We'll talk about how things went down yesterday, but things are going down today. And I'm just telling you, it's 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 interesting to watch. I mean, to me, it's almost fascinating. This is... This is like, you know, basically the uh, uh, NCAA college football championship in Congress is what this is. This is this is going at it. This is, you know, teeth and hair are flying. This is people, you know, getting irritable, but they also are at the same time being very professional. I, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen much that tells me that there is a loss, a loss of decorum uh, right now on the floor of the House. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is actually sitting with Kevin McCarthy. Um, and you know, you, you look at that kind of thing and it, it almost feels kind of trivial to talk about that, but it's also, it's done in, intentionally because Marjorie Taylor Greene is known to be one of the firebrand members of the House Freedom Caucus. And yet she's openly in support of Kevin McCarthy for whatever reason. Now she went through her own trials here of late. And I think McCarthy supported her in some of that. And I'm pretty sure he, he bought her, lo- not bought, but he, he gained her loyalty, um, uh, right now, a uh, uh, representative, Kat Kamek, who is a uh, congresswoman-elect from Florida, uh, is nominating McCarthy for the sixth time. So, so so far, he's been nominated by Jim Jordan, uh, Steve Scalise, um, I don't know who else. Uh, now it's Kat, McC- Kat Kamek uh, from Florida. Um, and I think what they're trying to do is portray a, a, a wide-ranging view of conservatives in Congress who are supporting Kevin. And don't, by the way, don't think the entire Freedom Caucus is all on board. I mean, our own Alabama uh, Congressman Barry Moore, who is a member of the Freedom Caucus, extremely conservative, until just a couple of days ago, he wasn't sure where he stood. So far, he has voted five times, as far as we know, for McCarthy. But I will say this. What just happened in the last vote uh, does not bode well for McCarthy. I'm not sure how much longer uh, his caucus is going to sit with him continuing to be the nominee. He may have the majority, but doesn't have what he has to have. And the irony of this, by the way, is that he presided over what should have been a Republican wave, which turned into a Republican trickle. And the Republican trickle gave him a slim majority, which is why he's having trouble. If he had, if he had actually prevailed over a Republican wave, he would already be Speaker of the House. He would already be Speaker because the majority would have been wide enough to where the leverage that the House Freedom Caucus members have right now would not be there. Um, and here we are. We're looking at it. By the way, McCarthy lost another vote. Uh, that's also significant. So yesterday, he lost by 19. He lost by 19. Come the third vote, he lost by 20. What? And everybody's like, what just happened? Well, it was Representative uh, Byron Donalds, uh, uh, a really solid dude who I've gotten to where I really like his, uh, his commentary. But Byron Donalds uh, from Florida switched his vote yesterday afternoon and freaked everybody out. Well, then the next thing that happened was today um, we had the fourth and then fifth vote. And on the fifth vote, uh, Representative, what's her name? Victoria Sparts, I believe. Spats? Sparts? Sparts. Um, She voted present. And her comments were, um, uh, let me find it here real quick because it's a story I don't have printed out. She said, we have a constitutional duty to elect the Speaker of the House, but we have to deliberate further as a Republican converse, conference until we have enough votes and stop wasting everyone's time. None of the Republican candidates have this number yet. That's why I voted present. 
after all the votes were cast. So essentially, she didn't vote for anybody. It's kind of like an abstention. She just she just said, you know, I'm here, but I'm not casting a vote. Well, what that basically did was it uh, indicated that while she didn't vote for a Jim Jordan or another candidate, what she did do was pull her support um, from Kevin McCarthy. So he is now, <laughs> he's now down by 21. So where he thought he was going to walk in the door and have, you know, four to five, um, didn't happen. He, he's dealing with 21. Y'all, listen, that is literally 10% of the GOP caucus. 10% of the GOP caucus is not on board. And so this debate we're having right now, it's legit. This debate we're having right now, it's real. They are, they are debating. And by the way, this is, like I said, my monologue, this is the way it's supposed to be. I, so if they had a cakewalk where McCarthy could just walk in the door and it, cool. But yet what we're seeing right now, this is democracy, folks. This is what Pelosi did not allow to happen. We have not seen this level of uh, in-person gathering, by the way. We've not seen this level of in-person gathering, open debate, transparent before the public, casting their votes by pure roll call. We've not seen this in years. And so the people's business is getting done. And it may not be what some people want. And there are those who are hand-wringing and we should have already been investigating Hunter Biden. They wouldn't have gotten anything done yet. These next few days were nothing but ceremonial, literally. It's like next week, or is it this week? No, nah, next week, the uh, Alabama legislature is going to convene for their organizational session. There's nothing there that is going to affect the laws of the state. The organizational session is where they pick their leadership and they figure out who's going to have what office and where the committee chairmen, you know, or, or what they're going to be and where they're going to go and, you know, who gets to move down the hall and whatever. Um, but what we're looking at right now is the equivalent of that in D.C., this is a ceremonial time. This is a time for the swearing in. This is a time for the photo op with your family. This is a time for a few days of wrangling to see who gets what office and how that all works out. And do you know your way around? And I forgot where I have to be. And I don't even know where I have to be. And all the freshmen are walking around starry-eyed. There's not going to be anything happening this week anyway, except what you're watching. So aside from the fact that we don't have everybody seated, officially seated, I am comfortable in saying the people's business is still getting done. Let's see where it goes. Lively debates on the floor right now of the House. I'm watching it on two screens. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll jump right in, talk about congressional chess when we get back. Y'all stay tuned. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. There it goes. 
we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. It's 2.34 p.m. right now, and this show is covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about we are way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Hey, um, so let me, uh, let me just kind of run to the text line here for a minute. Some of y'all are really engaging this topic. So if you want to text in or call in for that matter, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's our phone number. If you ever forget the phone number, just go to our website, rightsideradio.org. It's right there across the top of the page. But yeah, uh, just just call or text in. What are you thinking right now about the machinations going on up in D.C.? Does it bother you? Are you good with it? Do you want to see more? Um, uh, here's a few thoughts that have coming in. Oh, uh, where'd it go? Daniel from Tullahoma. McCarthy's 0-5. It's time for him to step aside and resign. We don't need another House Speaker from California, says Daniel. Um, oh, where'd we get the other one here? Uh, Raven from Russellville. He says, maybe we ought to start teaching government and civics in school again. Make it mandatory for the eggheads on the mainstream media. <laughs> I agree. Um, Juan from Newmarket. Uh, making sure that I knew that uh, Alabama Representative Barry Moore and Representative Mike Rogers are not standing with the Freedom Caucus. Well, Rogers had never been with the Freedom Caucus, though, so there's that. Uh, but I, I, I see what you're saying. He says, also, says, I'm sure Dale Strong will be voting for Representative McCarthy. And uh, yes, he did. So right now, by the way, just to, just to go ahead and clarify, the entire Republican delegation from Alabama has all voted for McCarthy up to this point. I'm going to be curious to see if Barry Moore switches his vote. As we have had two others switch their vote at this point, and the Freedom Caucus, of which he is typically a part, um, is is the group that is generally standing, um, you know, in the way of McCarthy's ascension, then I'm just curious if he's going to change his vote. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, thanks, Juan. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs, kudos to those holding out like the one juror in the murder trial. There's a life on the line. In this case, it's our nation's livelihood. Good point, JT. Missy from Falkville. She said he did walk in the door. He already moved into the office. Step aside, Kevin. Yeah, if you're not familiar, by the way, um, and I thought that Matt Gates was kind of tacky with the way he handled it, but it still begs the question, what was Kevin McCarthy doing moving into the speaker's office suite already? He doesn't have the job. How, how, did, he, how did he think that was going to be a good idea? I mean, did he really think it was going to be this quick and easy? I don't know. Maybe because he's the majority leader, maybe because he was just seen as being the one. Uh, maybe the, the, the couch is nice in there. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, Kevin McCarthy has already moved into the Speaker's office suite, the physical offices of the Speaker of the House. Okay. Um, John from Huntsville. Phil, at this point, why not just put the names of all the congressmen and women in a hat and whatever name gets pulled out as Speaker of the House? Uh, no, it might be a Democrat. <laughs> um, there's, okay. Uh, Adam from Decatur says, I second Daniel's proclamation. Um, oh, I guess he means uh, Representative Byron Daniels. Uh, so, yeah, if you're not familiar, uh, just a moment ago, uh, what was her name? Kat Kamek. Uh, Representative Kat Kamek has nominated... Uh, Kevin McCarthy. She's an incoming uh, congresswoman-elect from Florida. And then um, uh, a Democrat stood, and I don't recall who it was now, and once again nominated Hakeem Jeffries from New York as the Democrats' choice for speaker, who, by the way, has been getting more votes than McCarthy, which is a little freaky. More votes than McCarthy, and it's been a straight party line, obviously. 
He's been getting more votes than McCarthy on every single vote call. And at the same time, he's only six away. I, I don't I don't think there's going to be that level of defection. I don't think we're going to see anybody who's going to defect to the Democrat side and give them the speaker. In fact, if they do, there's going to be a lynching on Capitol Hill. But I do believe that it's odd and it's clearly indicative of how narrow this majority is. Uh, Daniel from Tullahoma um, says, uh, oh, I take it back. I see what happened. Adam from Decatur was seconding Daniel from Tullahoma's position. Um, And yeah, okay, got it. I got it. Got you now, Adam. Thank you. JT from Lacey Springs again says, moving into the speaker's office, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Ha ha. No, it doesn't work that way. Anyway, they are in the middle of the roll call right now for the sixth time. And so far, three people have already voted against McCarthy. Um, So we'll see how it goes. So what happened yesterday? I mean, how did this go down? Who are the majority of those? I say majority. who Who are the group that are voting against Kevin McCarthy? So story on Daily Signal. Daily Signal has it right here. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy failed to secure the majority of votes. We know that. He received 203 in the first round, 202 in the third round. And by the way, today he was down to 201, um, making it the first time since 1923 that choosing a House speaker required multiple ballots. So it's been 100 years since it took more than one vote to get to where we are. Um, it's been a hundred and what fifty-ish years since the true debacle of eighteen fifty-nine, when it took a hundred and thirteen votes. Um, yeah, hundred, hundred, whatever. No, I think it's one hundred thirty-three votes actually, and they went well into February trying to get a speaker. So so far, um, Jeffries tends to get the most votes, but only because Democrats are staying together. Nine more than McCarthy's been getting on the average. Here's the deal. By the way, I did not know this. The article points out this is the second attempt by McCarthy, who was first elected in 2006, to become speaker. He served as House Majority Leader under John Boehner and Wisconsin's Paul Ryan. So apparently he tried to be speaker once before and it didn't happen. I was not aware of that. Here's the names of the 20 Republicans as of yesterday who didn't vote for McCarthy. Andy Biggs of Arizona, Dan Bishop, North Carolina, Eli Crane, Arizona, Paul Gosar, Arizona. Arizona, man. They're in the house. No pun intended. Matt Gates of Florida. Byron Donalds of Florida. And by the way, Byron Donalds was just nominated. So uh, Representative Scott Perry stood up after the Democrats did their nomination. Uh, Representative Scott Perry, who is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, stood up and nominated uh, with an impassioned speech Byron Donalds from Florida which would be an amazing choice, to be honest. I don't know what his leadership skills are like, but I can tell you right now, he's got a great presence. He's a future rising star in the Republican Party. Uh, Bob Good of Virginia, Anna Paulina Luna of Florida, Chip Roy of Texas, Keith Self of Texas, Andrew Clyde of Georgia, Andy Harris, Maryland, Josh Brasheen, Oklahoma, Matt Rosendale, Montana, Mary Miller, Illinois, Lauren Biebert, Colorado, Andy Ogles, Tennessee, Michael Cloud, Texas, Ralph Norman, South Carolina, Scott Perry, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's going to be interesting, man. Um, Matt Gates made some comments yesterday, and of course, Matt Gates is known for making inflammatory comments. Um, so there's a little bit of grandstanding on his part, in my opinion. But I will say this if Matt Gates sees something and believes it a certain way, he just tends to stick with it. 
He says, those of us who will not be voting for Kevin McCarthy today take no joy in this discomfort that this moment has brought. But if you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. He said, I'm a Florida guy. I know what I speak. Okay. uh, He went on to say, we offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening. He rejected. We sought a vote in the first quarter of the 118th Congress on term limits. He refused. We wanted a budget from the Republican Study Committee that balances on the floor in the first quarter. He refused. We wanted the border plan the Texas delegation put together on the floor. He refused. So let me, let me point out something. When Matt Gates says they want them on the floor, that does not mean he says we want them to pass. Of course, he'd like them to pass. What he's saying is all we want is an up or down vote on some things. We want the rules to be changed, and we want the opportunity to go in front of the public and vote on some bills. And oh, by the way, put everybody on the record. See, here's the thing. There's two parts to legislation. One is, is it good or bad? Does it pass or fail? What does it do? The second is, what does the voting record say? What will it do later on when, I don't know, Congressman Gary Palmer of Alabama, and I'm I'm hypothetical here. I, I know Gary Palmer. I like him personally. He founded the Alabama Policy Institute where I spent a lot of my time. But what if Congressman Palmer, who for years has been an advocate for limited government, What if he voted against a term limits bill? Well, that says something. That says that the swamp has got it going on, and they don't want ever to have a time when they're term limited. So what they're saying here is they want the opportunity to go to the floor. This is one of their demands. We just want to go to the floor. Just let us vote. Let us vote on an actual balanced budget. And if it doesn't pass, it doesn't pass. Let us actually vote on term limits. If it doesn't pass, it doesn't pass. Let us actually vote on what Texas wants to see happen for a border security plan. It's not that hard. Let us just vote for it. If it passes, it passes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But the establishment does not want to be on the record with these things, y'all. They don't. I can tell you right now, I saw this stuff in Montgomery. I mean, literally, I was myself and Tripp Pittman and a couple of others, we were the only ones who would all co-sponsor a term limits bill every year. There was one year I got aggravated at my, my buddy Tripp Pittman because he forgot to come to me and get me to sign on as a, as a co-sponsor. He dropped the bill in ahead of time. I was like, Tripp, I'm one of your guys. Anyway, I would go on the record every time and say, term limits. The bill never made it to the floor. Why? Because ain't nobody in Montgomery wants to be on the record voting against themselves staying there longer. That's why. Because they all know if a bill comes to the floor, they can't say, I'm a conservative. I believe in limited government and vote against term limits. So, yeah. These things they're demanding are not outrageous. They're just scary to the establishment. That's what's happening. It's scary to the establishment to have to go on the record literally voting against something that they say in their campaign commercials that they're not against. All right. So right now, people have been coalescing around a couple of others. Started off, by the way, started off, it was Jim Jordan. And which, which is kind of funny because Jim Jordan was the one who nominated Kevin McCarthy. So all of a sudden, Matt Gates got up and says, I nominate Jim Jordan. And he got a bunch of votes. Um, uh, Jim Jordan wasn't asking for this. And, and Jim Jordan himself came, came on and, and, and actually in his floor speech, he said, I came in with Kevin McCarthy. We came in at the same time 16 years ago. We haven't always agreed on everything, but I like his fight. I like his tenacity. I remember Kevin told me, He wrote about this in a book. I remember Kevin told me the toughest times in life are when you get knocked down. The question is, can you come back? And I've always seen him be able to do that. 
That's a, that's a friend supporting a friend right there. But Kevin, Jim Jordan wants to be the House Judiciary Chairman. That's where he wants to be. But then what happened on the third time around was Byron Donald switched his vote and apparently became the darling of the Tea Party. I mean, the Tea Party, the Freedom Caucus. And he has now been the nominee ever since. I think Jim Jordan made it clear, I don't want the job. I don't want it. Stop it. Stop embarrassing me. Byron Donalds is saying, uh, I don't know what behind closed doors, but his name is being bandied about as the one to replace Kevin McCarthy. I don't think it'll happen. He's too new. Um, and I don't think there's going to be that level of consensus rallied around him. But y'all, I'm telling you, this is chess, man. This is, this is politics. This is, this, what's happening behind the scenes is as important as what happens out front. But I am so glad it's happening out front also. We're getting to watch it in real time. That's the way it should be. I am, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm stoked. I am excited that we're seeing this level of discourse and debate as it should be. I got more on this. Boomer, go ahead and take us to a break. I'll go check right now. The votes are being counted. So far, it does not appear that McCarthy's going to win again on the sixth time around. Good Lord. <laughs> How much longer does he hang in there? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Uh, text lines are open, by the way, 833-687-4448. Uh, appreciate all of you guys who are engaging this topic with us right now. So, uh, yeah, a couple more. Uh, John from Huntsville says, here's a suggestion to point the My Pillow guy as Speaker of the House, because <laughs> by now they need some pillows to lay their heads on. <laughs> oh, Mike Lindell shouting at us every day. Has anybody ever noticed, by the way, that he yells at us every time he does a commercial and is constant? It, 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 I've gotten to where I have to mute his commercials. Okay, Brian from Lynn, Alabama. Uh, he says, uh, why do they continue to vote over and over when he does not have the votes? It seems he can go address whatever the issues are. And, and, and either vote or stop step aside. Is it for political theater? Uh, well, no, um, I think they're hoping right now to wear some people down, uh, Brian, to be honest with you. Um, and then the other side is this, um, is I, I don't believe uh, that, that there's been an absence of negotiation. We're hearing right now he's been meeting with both sides, but so far he's given some things he's not given others. And they are asking for, you know, more opportunities for rules changes and certain floor votes. And uh, they're just not getting it. Um, I really believe that McCarthy could be the speaker, you know, by this afternoon if he acceded to some of these requests. But I think sometimes it's getting to the point of just, you know, being uh, dug in and uh, uh, pridefulness. You know, I don't I don't I, I, I may be putting too much into it. But but right now, uh, yeah, it appears, by the way. That uh, Kevin McCarthy has lost again. I mean, the votes are still coming in, but he's already lost twelve. He couldn't lose more than he couldn't lose more than four. He, he's now lost twelve, so he's well on the way to the twenty-one mark that we saw before. Um, 
And so far it's McCarthy, 94, Jeffries, 95, and others, 12. Others, I think, being Representative Byron Donalds. Um, so, wow. Uh, Tony from Piedmont says, look at it this way. No speaker, no work in the House, a shutdown of the biggest legislative body. I'm good with that. <laughs> I used to, I, I mean, we need him to go to work at some point. We really do. Uh, but, Tony, I get it because uh, I used to always joke sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but when we were in Montgomery that uh, the state was always safer when the legislature was not in session. <laughs> um, anyway, Tyler from Huntsville just texted back in, by the way, and says, uh, I'm an over-the-road truck driver and way out of our AM-FM range. Well, you know, that's I, I get it. So, Tyler, I'll tell you what, if um, we've been doing some tech work here in the background, thank you for alerting us. Tyler was letting us know earlier that uh, if you're listening on the iHeart app, that for some reason the sound was somewhat distorted. We think we've uh, uh, talked to the station and had them work on adjusting their gain. But uh, Boomer just told me that the audio stream on our own live stream, which is on our website, rightsideradio.org, is perfect. Video stream. Yep. Video. Yep. Well, you can listen to the video, too, though. Yeah, you just absolutely. Play it. Just yeah. go in and play it. Yeah. yeah, just play it. You don't have to look at it. In fact, while you're driving, Tyler, don't look at it. <laughs> just Please don't do just that. Say Please. A word of caution <laughs> to our listening audience in their cars. But, yeah, rightsideradio.org, Tyler and everybody else. Rightsideradio.org is our website. It's got all our stuff on it. It's got audio. It's got video. Like right now, uh, you can actually see the interior of the Right Side Studios as Boomer and I are doing the show. And, uh, and so there's another option for you. Uh, I like to always say, by the way, if you're getting outside the overly broad range of our AM-FM capability, you can go anywhere in the whole wide world to the big World Wide Web. Click on rightsideradio.org. Listen live, because no matter where you is, there we is. And that's why uh, we have listeners in Hawaii. We have listeners in Indiana. We have listeners um, way down in South Alabama, listeners in South Carolina, listeners in Tennessee, listeners in Georgia, Mississippi. Um, kind of cool. Bob from Decatur just texted in and says, McCarthy's got that Joe Biden mentality. Nobody wants him, but he won't get out of the way. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, by the way, all this will be up on podcast. I will say that, too, before we hit the break. Uh, all of this will be up on podcast every day after the show, before we even leave the studio. Boomer has taken the day's show and uploads the entire show and then also segments of the show in smaller bites so you can get those in either big form or smaller form. Uh, where are we at, Boomer? We we should be around one hundred five thousand, I would think, by now. What are we at? What are we at right now, Booms? Yeah, we're all we're we're almost at one hundred five thousand. One hundred five thousand downloads there. of the podcast. What's our second biggest audience besides Alabama? Well, if you if I'm look, I look month to month. You know, kind month, of month to month, month to month, and usually our top our second highest is California. Usually. usually. But today what? it is Florida. Florida is our second biggest audience of the podcast. Yeah, right. Today, you know, today. I take it. I take it about a month at a time, just to see. You know, I give everybody else a chance. Well, <laughs> California, where are you at? I know. On my on my left coasters, where are you at? <laughs> All right, good enough. Hey, listen, top of the hour. We're coming right back. We'll keep moving on this uh, congressional chess part one of the triple dipper. And then, hey, by the way, keep in mind, 4 o'clock, Grand Council. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams, here live in the Right Side Studios for hour number two. The local, the state, the national, man, we cover down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, hey, I'm going to have to go to the phones here in a second, but hey, Boomer, just so you know, um, that thing about California not being number one yeah. in the, the podcast and California, I mean, Florida's overtaken <laughs> them. So, uh Ken from Harvest just texted in and said, it's all because all the right side ruffians in California have now fled to Florida to be free. So Florida is now number two. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he also says, by the way, he called Dale Strong's office, Congressman Dale Strong, asking him to support the Freedom Caucus. All right. Hey, Ken, thanks for joining the nice. uh, the text line there. Let me jump on the phones. Uh, we had somebody held on during the uh, break, and I appreciate their time. So uh, line one, Barry from Huntsville. Barry, how you doing today? Hi, Phil. I'm doing well. Good, good. And I know you are. Yes, sir. Uh, what I think is uh, they, they should do, they put out as the nominee is Newt Gingrich. Ah. He's the only person not in there who is el- really eligible and qualified to be the speaker. And boy, would that be fun. That, that would be more than fun. That would be not only fun, it would be historic. You know, because you're right, Barry, it's kind of interesting. It is not required that the Speaker of the House be an elected congressman. It, it could be somebody from the outside, which is why... You know, some folks have been saying, put Trump in there, which I think would be an awful idea. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Newt Gingrich, I'd be for that. That'd be awesome. Um, we'll, right. Well, see, the, who else uh, that's a Republican, really, that we would want in there has uh, the experience to know how to manage the, the Congress? Uh, I totally agree. Managing the House is not something you just go up and say, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah, and it's not like we don't know where he stands on policy, and he was the author of the contract with America, which is still the most successful Republican agenda that's ever hit Congress. Um, so, Right. But what we ought to do to get our young man, uh, get Dale some notoriety, is for let Dale put uh, nominating. Because about, this is his first duty anyway right now. You talking about uh, Dale Strong? Yes, I, I you know it's I I'll be honest with you I doubt it's going to happen though. <laughs> That's gonna, I'm just going to say, but this is what people don't think. Dale's not in limbo. Dale's doing exactly what he did. He as of twelve as of high noon on uh, the third, he became the representative of Alabama. The first duty is is to select a, a member of the House. Yeah, and you know what's the first interesting? Duty of the House of the Speaker of the House is to we're in the new members. Yeah, in fact, uh, technically, he's still congressman-elect because he's not been sworn in. Uh, you're right. It's kind of kind of a weird no, deal. No, that's not true. Uh, go back and look at it because I think it is. They're actually not seated officially uh, until they've yeah, selected their speaker he, and they're moving forward. He has the right to vote. Moe's no longer has a vote. No, he, okay, we're, we're talking two different things now. And the first duty, remember, is... All right, hey, Barry. Barry. Congressman-elect is that. Hey, Barry, thanks for the call. Appreciate you very much. You bet. Uh, all right. 
Uh, I'm not sure where that rabbit trail was going, but anyway, Dale Strong's not going to elect Newt Gingrich or nominate him. It's not going to happen. But 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 I, I do believe though, if you're going to pick an outsider, you couldn't pick a better one than Newt Gingrich. Um, uh, never mind the fact that I think he's like 80 years old. <laughs> but uh, but I I think Newt Gingrich could still do the job. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, texter who did not give their name. So you got to give us your name, where you're from, so we can work with you here. But I'll just go ahead and say they say, uh, Dr. Ruffian, follow the money. Money buys power, and power provides money. Who benefits financially, either in D.C. or back home? I, I get it. A lot of folks think this is the establishment, and they're working uh, what they care about, and they've got their hand-selected guy. I don't disagree with that. Um, still, um, he is not there yet. And by the way, it appears that he has definitely lost the vote again. Um, uh, I said that a moment ago, but now it's up to 19 votes for Representative Donalds, uh, and the votes are still being tallied. So we'll see where it ends up. He's been as bad as 21. We'll see if he still has 21 or more. Uh, Tyler from Huntsville just texted in and said, uh, I use my phone as my GPS, so I can't stream in the background. Okay, don't don't worry, Tyler. <laughs> we'll keep working with you, man. Don't jimmy your systems. I get it. Uh, Tony from Piedmont texted again and says, how much more harm can D.C. do to us? Well, you'd be surprised. Um, and then Daryl from Huntsville just texted in and said he contacted Dale Strong's office on his website, asking him not to support Kevin McCarthy and gave all his reasons why. It says we need a change. Um, and then Jenny from Decatur just texted in and said Newt might be 80, but Pelosi's 100. <laughs> <laughs> I got a caller on the line again, so I'll just go ahead and take it. This is a fun one. We got the audience highly engaged on this topic, that's for sure. You want to call or text in, the number is the same, 833 687 4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's the number. Text or call. Uh, line two, that's Jeff from Indiana. Jeff Rowe, how you doing, buddy? I'd like to nominate Phil Williams for Speaker <laughs> of the House. Don't be, don't be wishing <laughs> I, that crap on I, me. I, I may have tongue-in-cheek on that one, but I actually believe you would be the best one out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if they could stand me, man. Uh, but well, uh, there'd be a lot of a lot of dissension. I know because you're 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 one of those people who's an actual uh, uh, a a uh, an honest politician. I think so. That you know. <laughs> well, I I appreciate so that, it. That, that makes. It was... So, uh, but uh, as far as Newt Gingrich goes, uh, he lost all my respect here a while back, and especially this morning. Oh yeah, he was How so? on uh, Fox Fox News uh, calling all everybody that was against McCarthy basically blackmailers, and it was just horrible and. And I'm thinking he should have been standing with these people. And, uh, you know, Newt Gingrich lost all my respect. I figure he sold out when he started to, uh, advertising for home title lock. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's not like John Boehner out there shilling for the marijuana industry. I mean, that's that's been kind of ridiculous to watch. Yeah, I, I want a conservative Speaker of the House for the Republicans for a change because the last two uh, I didn't have much faith in. I couldn't stand either one of them. Was that Paul Ryan so, last time? Oh, yes, Paul uh, Ryan and Boehner yeah. before that. So yeah. Paul Ryan was this squishy, yeah. and John Boehner kept crying. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we need somebody in there like a Jim Jordan because you know, I, I want people, you know, like, like I say, put all these things out on the, on the floor. If it passes, it passes. If it don't, it don't. But at least give – let's see where everybody stands on these things. And that's yeah. the problem. Everybody's, oh, we're not going to put this out there because we don't want to make – people look bad well i want some people to look bad i want to know where they stand you're exactly right and then i can tell you right now there, there are there are members of uh elected bodies all over the place that hate it when they have somebody put them on the record because then they can't deny it i had a, i had a guy jeff uh when i was down in montgomery who, who i literally i was it was in my first term and he was in his second term and he looked at me and goes hey man 
this next vote's going to be a little dicey. You might want to take a walk on this one. Well, take a walk was the phrase for making sure you're out of the room when the vote is called. And, um, and I looked at him and I said, I didn't come down here to take walks. And you could tell he had no idea what to say to that. He just kind of went, oh, he turned around and walked away. Um, wow, he, he met an honest politician, you mean? Or at least one, <laughs> at least one who was willing to go on the record. How about that? Um, exactly. Well, uh, we'll see what happens, Jeff. But uh, uh, I am not running for Speaker of the House, so I'll go ahead and withdraw my name from any further discussion. Um, uh, well, I'll nominate you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, take care, Have man. Happy New Year, Phil. You too, buddy. Um, we got, uh, we got several names. Uh, so Tony from Piedmont's texting in, he says, how about Mo Brooks or Mark Meadows? I like both. Uh, boy, that would, that would screw some things up. That would, <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, that new texter a moment ago was, uh, uh, Clay from Madison. Clay, we're glad you're on the text line. Thanks for being a part of the audience. Uh, Kyle from Madison just texted in and says, Newt at 80, he's still younger than Pelosi. I agree. And, uh, you're the second person to say that one. Um, so, all right, let's jump in the topic. Let's keep it moving. Um, by the way, the vote is now up to 20. Uh, have they quit calling yet? No, I think they're still calling the roll. So, um, yeah, what, 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 what was the name of the lady? Was it, um, Sparts? So I'm not sure where they are in the roll call at this point, but, uh, we'll see if representative Sparts is going to vote present again. All I know is, McCarthy is getting uh, into a worse position than he was at before. They're still calling the roll. He's already down by 20. Uh, it's been as high as 21. So, uh, yeah, article here from Fox News just talks about the fact that when Byron Donald switched his vote yesterday, it set the House floor abuzz because all of a sudden everybody went, holy crap, he just lost votes. I mean, they're thinking, surely to goodness, he's going to start gaining votes along the way, start whittling away at that 19 number that was there for the first two to three. Nope. It's gotten worse. So interesting to see where this goes. In an interview on uh, Kudlow after the vote, uh, Representative Donald said the reason why he changed his vote was he doesn't believe McCarthy has 218. He said, I voted for Kevin on the first two ballots. It's just not clear he has the votes. And so I think if you're going to ask members to vote over and over and over again to try to wear people down, it's going to have the opposite effect. He says, my view has been for us to call a recess, get into a room, figure it out, have the conversations, and then go back to the floor. I agree. I don't think it's asking too much. Um, and you don't even have to get into a room with everybody because most of them already know where they stand. Get the 20 in a room and see what you can work out. Um, but uh, McCarthy's position is getting worse. So we'll see what happens. Fox News' Howard Kurtz is one of those who's got a little bit of hand-wringing going on. He, he, he basically says, this is this brinksmanship and backstage maneuvering, a day of harsh rhetoric. I disagree. You already heard my position. I think this is democracy. I think it's going to work itself out eventually, and I think what we're going to wind up seeing is a strengthened position for conservatives and live with it, all right? But he says, he says in Howard Kurtz's words, he said, the GOP presented a portrait of dysfunction, squabbling over personal grievances rather than routinely anointing its leader. We don't want a routine anointment of the leader. So in his words, he says, is it possible for the Republicans to even govern? Well, that's a silly question, Howie. Um, he says that it may be time for them to find a compromise choice, and I do agree with that. But the idea that somehow this is a dysfunction that means they can't govern? No, way too soon for that. All right, listen, we're going to wind up taking a break here. When we come back from this break, I'm going to wrap this topic up and move on in the Triple Dipper. We'll keep you posted on the votes as we go. 
But uh, right now, number six vote, McCarthy's lost again. You guys stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will take the break right now and come right back. Finishing up number one of the Triple Dipper after literally an hour and a half. Congressional Chess, part two. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. So, uh, by the way, letting you know that uh, McCarthy just lost the vote number six with 21 again. Uh, so 21 votes uh, against McCarthy taking the speakership. Uh, 20 of those went to Representative Donald's. One was, I assume, uh, Representative Victoria Sparks again voting present, uh, basically abstaining uh, from supporting any candidate. Uh, for the time being. Um, so, yep, it does appear that McCarthy is down six times. Uh, how much longer this will go on? I have no idea. Hey, I got a caller on line one. Let me grab that real quick. Uh, line one, John from Coleman. John, how you doing today? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. What's on your mind? I believe Trump is meddling in the speaker debate. I believe that it cost us the Senate here in Alabama, gave it to Doug Williams. I believe it, it hurt Georgia and made the senatorial delegation from their Democrat a couple of years ago. And I believe this time it very well will cost him the presidency or the, uh, at least the Republican. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't disagree that, uh, so Trump came out and supported the idea of McCarthy being elected today and, and asked for Republicans to get on board. And I don't think it went over very well. Um, and I think the shines off the apple. I think there are some people that are starting to get, uh, you know, to the point that they don't uh, really want to, hear what Trump has to say. So I don't know if he's going to wind up being the nominee. He's certainly still a front runner, but, uh, but he's not really helping the McCarthy race and doesn't really have uh, much clout in that regard, it seems right now. Agreed. Thanks, sir. All right, man. Have a great day. Um, all right. Listen, uh, House Freedom Caucus uh, chair says McCarthy declined his members' demand. So um, justthenews.com. House Freedom Caucus Chairman Representative Scott Perry said late Tuesday that GOP Representative Kevin McCarthy has declined his members' requests ahead of the vote. Um, And so basically what they're saying is they want to do some things like what I talked about earlier. They want the Texas border plan, the Fair Tax Act. They want the balanced budget. uh, They want term limits. They want those things on the floor for an up or down vote. They also want some rules changes, which I think he's agreed to some rules changes uh, already. And I'm not sure if it was all of them. But he has lowered the threshold for them to be able to uh, get rid of a speaker, uh, a rule that, by the way, Nancy Pelosi had changed to avoid having to deal with conflict herself, <laughs> made herself impenetrable. But um, a question for RedState.com, my last one for this segment. RedState.com asked the question in their headline, which I can't help but ask myself. Why did Kevin McCarthy wait so long to try to win people over? I'll tell you why. He thought he had it in the bag. 
And, and I'm not saying he wasn't talking to people because, you know, allegedly he was. The Freedom Caucus was letting him know we're, we're not going to. And he's known since November, by the way. I mean, the votes were fairly well tallied not long after Election Day. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be a Republican majority. Suddenly it was apparent that the, um, the House Freedom Caucus would have more clout because there were fewer members in the majority. And so McCarthy's known for a while. Um, I guess he thought he could, you know, get them around. They had a lot of proxies calling in, I know. Uh, like we talked about a minute ago uh, uh, with our last caller, we, we, we know that Trump came out this morning. I understand that Trump may have been making phone calls to some members, asking them to switch their vote. Uh, but the article here from Red State says, the entire D.C. establishment from Republicans to lobbyists have been preparing for a McCarthy speakership, and there's a lot of people on board with this, including major conservative voices like Mark Levin and Charlie Kirk uh, and congressional conservative favorites like Jim Jordan. And the leading class of Republicans and conservatives have decided they just like to have a smooth transition rather than a fight. Well, the work to actually secure the votes, it says, didn't even apparently start until recently. He just assumed he could walk into the speaker's office. He didn't put in the work to get there. That's a big indicator, says Red State, of the entitlement mentality that too many of our elites have. They assume the position they want will be theirs. He didn't actually put any work into securing it. He just thought he deserved it. And he already moved his stuff into the actual office itself, for God's sake, they say. Well, um, that ain't working out for him. <laughs> it just ain't. So we'll see how this goes. But right now what we're looking at is uh, the congressional chess continues to get played. Uh, Jeff from Indiana says Mo Brooks was interviewed uh, on the Yaffe show this morning. He's all for this. So, yes, he said, I wish he would have stayed in the House where he would be a congressman right now, with no doubt in my mind. Um, yeah. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville, battle royale at the rotunda for Speaker of the House. Yes, indeed. Uh, Tony from Piedmont, um, a lot of empty seats on the floor. Well, I think some folks are voting. Some step off the floor to make phone calls. Um, he said, uh, we need some points of contact on the Republican county and state like Mike Rogers um, well, well, we'll see. Mike Rogers is about to be the chair of House Armed Services, and I don't think he's going anywhere for a while. Uh, there was actually speculation for a while that he would be the secretary of the Space Force, uh, but uh, I don't think that's happening. Not under a Biden administration. Alice from Huntsville said, is there any way the Republicans are going to fool around and let a Democrat win the speaker's position by not agreeing on someone to get to 218? I don't think so. It would, ha it would take Republicans having to join Democrats and like I said earlier, there'd be a lynching on Capitol Hill if that happened. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's pretty close. Uh, Daryl from Huntsville, he says, for once, the Tea Party conservatives are throwing some elbows and not just sitting there and taking it. I agree, Daryl. And then Tony from Hoax Bluff says, Trey Gowdy for speaker. I like that. But then again, he's probably getting paid a lot more right now to be on Fox News. So, <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to switch gears. Coming right back after this break, number two of the Triple Dipper. I call it shine a little light. Yeah. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. I'm talking about this show covers some ground across the northern part of the state. We are way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Um, Boomer, I'm not sure I could uh, do that backwards. What if I tried to do that backwards? <laughs> I would uh, enjoy <laughs> listening to parts that. Of, parts of Mississippi, Tennessee and Georgia. It just rolls it's, off the tongue a, now. That's it's like a, trying it's to hard, count backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like it's, it's like muscle memory from my lips, and I, just, yep. I, I don't know if I could do it backwards. Um, uh, what is uh, Jason from Huntsville just texted in? It says, a little revolution now and then is a healthy thing. That's a quote, and I can't remember who it's from. Jason, remember me who that's, that quote's from. Couldn't be more true. Um, so uh, there's that. Uh, Alice from Huntsville. Uh, just heard my response about uh, Democrats electing a, the Speaker of the House, and, and she just said thanks for, for, for filling in the details. Uh, number two of the triple di- – by the way, it's official. He lost the sixth ballot. They just officially called it, so it's done. He has lost six times now, but Kevin McCarthy has. Woo! This is, uh, this is generational news, y'all. This has not happened in 100 years. The last time this happened, it only took three ballots. Uh, the time before that, it took mm, 130-something. That's <laughs> – that's we don't want to be there. No, I will admit that I will become a little tired of it by then. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 going to come together eventually. But I'm just uh, I'm liking the fact that this is. Uh, and they adjourned, by the way. They just adjourned. So the house is done for the day. They went three more times a day, and they adjourned until eight p.m. Actually, so I guess there's going to be some uh, a break. People get a bite to eat, and then you can see Kevin McCarthy's laughing with some of his members over in the corner. Uh, things are working. We'll see. It's still an amicable, professional debate on the floor. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Switching gears here. Number two on the Triple Dipper. Shine a little light. So as I'm getting ready for today, I kept finding things and looking at them and going, well, that'll be interesting to find out. Or, man, we need to find that out. Or, man, I hope the Republicans get hold of those files. And then it dawned to me, I saw enough of those to where I thought, there's a segment. Um, so... What I'm talking about here is there are any number of things that have been happening that during the era of Nancy Pelosi and, you know, uh, the control that um, folks like Swalwell and uh, Adam Schiff and some of the others had over information that should be in the public domain has been kept deliberately, you know, hidden. We look at it and go, okay. Republicans are going to be, there's a new sheriff in town. We want to know what's going on. Like, you know, we're finding out some things just through other means, like Twitter. Since Elon Musk bought Twitter, you know, we've had the Twitter files. They're on the 11th tranche now of the Twitter files. Story here on Fox News came out yesterday afternoon that points out the Twitter files up to part 11 show how the, basically the, 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 the big tech company began to embrace the Intel community. I don't know how to explain this. Maybe they felt very important. Maybe they didn't realize they were being used. 
Or maybe they just enjoyed the idea of bending people's perceptions because they could. None of which are good. But the article here on Fox News points out the first Twitter files of 2023 dove into the tech giant's evolution from its resistance to its embrace of the Intel community. In the 11th installment of Elon Musk's Twitter files, um, uh, where'd it go? When uh, Substack writer Matt Tybee reported about the PR crisis Twitter underwent in 2017 when Democrats pummeled the tech giant for apparent inaction investigating Russian influence, that they turned around and turned themselves into a Russia task force to so-called investigate the Kremlin's activities. And they began to meet with the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Department of Justice on a regular basis. So much so that what we're learning now is that the FBI was given its own secure portal to email information and messaging to Twitter. Like, like literally, at one point, the FBI was flagging, systematically flagging Twitter users and sending word through the portal that there was possible violations that needed to be addressed by Twitter staff. So basically, they became a proxy arm of the government in some ways. This is awful. Uh, up in part seven of the Twitter files, uh, we began to see the, the coziness, they call it here in this article, with the FBI in the context of the Hunter Biden laptop. The fact that the FBI was requesting Twitter to share sensitive data regarding that issue. And then into the 2020 elections. And then we look further down and we're all the way up to, you know, part eight. They begin to share intercepts. Uh, the Twitter files are sharing intercepts between members of um, the government uh, regarding foreign influence in other countries. And then got up to number 10 and 11. We're looking at, you know, of course, focusing on COVID and trying to spread and stop misinformation, depending on which way you were looking. Um, and, it, and it just talks about the fact that Twitter got so in bed with the intel and law enforcement communities that they became truly a proxy of the FBI, the DOJ, even the CDC. Well, we're also finding out this now. Let's shine a little light on this. According to the Political Insider... Storyline dated yesterday, the FBI paid Twitter $3.4 million to ban accounts for misinformation. I kid you not. That's the article. The Federal Bureau of Investigation paid Twitter $3.4 million to ban or suspend accounts for, quote, foreign influence and, quote, misinformation. Says the FBI has been policing speech on the media site now for years, eventually paying Twitter the money as reimbursement for the work, according to the New York Post. The inner workings of Twitter and its cooperation with federal authorities have been coming in tranches and released, of course, uh, over time now since Elon Musk bought the company. And so here's the deal, y'all. This is one of the first things we need to shine a light on, I think, is to what degree have we seen the American public's perceptions skewed by an intentional interaction between government and social media? Because I'm going to tell you right now, PSYOPs, on U.S. soil by the U.S. government is wrong. I understand what PSYOPs is. I spent time in what's known as USA KPOC, the U.S. Army Civil Affairs and PSYOPs Command. All right, I have worked with PSYOPs guys downrange. And I've seen the level of influence they can provide at the tactical level, and I know what they're designed to do at the strategic level. PSYOPs is real. Psychological operations is the attempt to influence through perception 
and giving the other side of the story, so to speak. And it can be anything from getting the other side of the story out to literally trying to bend perceptions in a certain direction. This should not be happening on U.S. soil. I, I, I understand it if the Russians are doing it to us. I understand it the Chinese are doing it to us. It absolutely cannot happen if the U.S. government is doing it to us. I mean, at that point, it feels like a violation of posse comitatus almost, as if the U.S. military has in some way been used against the, the citizens of the nation. Well, that's got to change. Um, uh, that, that's got to change. Uh, next story. <laughs> so there's that. There's why is FBI paying $3.4 million to Twitter to ban people and to help conduct PSYOP operations in the U.S.? How about this one? January 6th. First of all, the farcical investigation of the so-called insurrection. Was it an insurrection? No. That's a legal definition. There's a legal definition of insurrection in the U.S. Code, and this ain't it. Was it a riot? Yes. Was it bad? Yes. Should it have happened? No. But what I'm looking at right now, historically speaking, this was not an insurrection. Attempt to overthrow government and supplant it with what? Nothing. Well, the January 6th commission spent how many millions of dollars in a year and a half of our time accomplishing basically nothing? But in doing so, they did countless numbers of depositions. They took sworn testimony from who knows how many people, some of which has been sealed. And also there's documents, there's photographs, there's videos, there's all kinds of things that, by the way, have been locked away and the public is not being allowed to see it. Why? I don't know. You know what? We need to know. Story on the Epoch Times. Republicans have proposed a new rules package for securing records belonging to the House Select Committee on the January 6th attack investigating the Capitol breach. At present, the January 6th committee has released some transcripts related to the case for the public. But the vast majority of raw information the committee has selected or has collected is to be sent to the National Archives where it could be sealed for up to 30 or even 50 years if they're deemed to be sensitive. <laughs> what the heck, man? Was it a crime or was it not? Was it an insurrection or was it not? What, what, do you, what did you find that you're scared of? Are you going to find literally that if we watch the videos, that it appears that the um, security at the Capitol was not sufficient and that was Nancy Pelosi's fault? Are we going to watch and find that there were a number of things that were listed as being insurrection activities that were people just taking selfies in the rotunda? Um, are we going to find that people who went to jail, there's video evidence that they shouldn't have? I mean, what are we going to find? Well, back in November, uh, Kevin McCarthy wrote a letter to the chairman of the January 6th committee asking for the preservation of all records and transcripts because the Republicans say they're going to get those records and they're not going to be archived because we need to see them and they need to be put on the public domain. Put up a website where we can see them. We can study them ourselves. It's amazing what happens when citizens can actually watch the cameras and see it for themselves. You want transparency on this? Put the data out there where we can see it. Don't do another who shot JFK and then release a few documents every 20 years. Not a good idea. Um, all right, listen, I'm going to take the break right now. When we get back from this break, we'll just kind of wrap this up because top of the hour, it's the Grand Council with my brethren Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor 
you're going to want to hear this. I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about the fact that McCarthy's has lost for the sixth time. And I had one of my texters just text me in uh, that Trump just pulled his support from McCarthy. Does it, does it matter? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to check out the stories you just sent over. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, y'all, we're in number two of the Triple Dipper, shine a little light. I will tell you, uh, just uh, stepping back to the topic of the day here, um, that it's, it you know, basically we've already seen six votes now. The, uh, the, the House has now adjourned until 8 p.m. this evening. Uh, they'll come back in ostensibly. Uh, to uh, to vote again, I don't know. Um, my prediction, I was talking to some folks in the office today, and my prediction was they would have four votes today. So if they do one more, I, I, I'm in. <laughs> but, but all that to say, uh, they have adjourned, and uh, it's ugly. And I don't know for a, f- I mean, I'm looking at this and believing this is probably real. Um, it appears that Donald Trump has just issued a statement saying that uh, it's time for Kevin McCarthy to step aside. Um, in his words, and you know, it's, it's classic Trumpism, but, um, uh, he says, I've been monitoring the vote at the house from the beautiful Mar-a-Lago. I'm very disappointed. Kevin and I spoke last night. He made certain promises that he's not kept. See, I, okay. First of all, if you're going to say that, Mr. President, tell us what they are, because right now all he's doing is alluding to McCarthy, not keeping a promise to who, um, if you made a promise that was purely for Trump's benefit, then I'd like to know that. If you made a promise about doing some of the things that the uh, House uh, Freedom Caucus is asking for, I'd like to know that. Anyway, all he does is sort of obscurely say, Kevin and I spoke last night. He made certain promises he has not kept. Very, very sad. Many are now saying Kevin is part of the problem. Enough is enough, Kevin. The swamp needs to be drained, and it seems we need new leadership. House members should now rally behind Byron Donalds, who will be sure to push the MAGA agenda, get it done. Well, um, that's interesting. Um, he was all Kevin McCarthy this morning, but, you know, it appears that he's seen the handwriting on the wall and is uh, choosing instead to go ahead and switch his vote under the belief that um, Kevin McCarthy is no longer able to get the job done. That's that's interesting. Um, Missy from Faulkville sent that to me. Missy, thank you so much. I appreciate the, uh, the insight. Uh, going back to number two of the Triple Dipper, shine a little light. This one is interesting. So the Jeffrey Epstein files. I want to know why the heck we know more about what's been going on in the back door of Twitter than we do about what happened with the Jeffrey Epstein files. Like there's an entire list of people who were potentially involved in sex trafficking of underage women to you know the, the 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 pervert island he had out there in the in the Caribbean or the Virgin Islands area, and so anyway, Daily Wire reports that the top prosecutor in the U.S. Virgin Islands lost her job 
Just days after suing a major investment bank for allegedly turning a blind eye to sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Governor Albert Bryan, Democrat of Virgin Islands, announced the firing of Attorney General Denise George in a brief statement. She sa- he said, I relieved Denise George of her duties as Attorney General this weekend. I thank her for her service to the people and the t- of the territory during the past four years as Attorney General. I wish her the best. That's interesting. I didn't know you could relieve an Attorney General. I guess the laws of the Virgin Islands are a little different. Governor Ivey could never just relieve um, uh, the Attorney General of Alabama, so I assume this has got a different set of laws in place. It must be an appointed position. But it goes on to say the governor did not provide a reason for the ouster. However, um, it comes on the heels of Denise George, the now former Attorney General for the Virgin Islands, having filed a federal lawsuit in Manhattan last week accusing J.P. Morgan Chase of failing to report suspicious financial activity by its client, Jeffrey Epstein, at his villa on St. James Island while benefiting financially from a sex trafficking operation. So, yeah, she filed a suit and lost her job. Um, If it's not that, then please, Mr. Governor, tell us it's not that. Um, Wow. Uh, Okay, here's another one that we want to shine a little light on. Sam Bankman Freed or Fried, how do you pronounce his name? The guy who looks like he has been playing video games in mommy's basement in his underwear for the last five years was actually in charge of billions of dollars. I don't understand it. Dude, dude just, just literally felt like he was just the most awkward individual, and yet somehow or another he conned people out of billions of dollars. Well, he is now um, out on bond. $250 million bond one of the largest bail packages in U.S. history. And one of the terms of the bond is he has to remain at his parents' house. So I guess he can go back to mommy's basement and, you know, play video games. But um, he has to remain at his parents' house until his trial. His parents have allowed the equity of their $4 million house, which, by the way, in California, a $4 million house is not that significant. It's okay, but it's anyway. His parents have allowed for the equity of their $4 million house to secure a portion of his bail, but because the home is not worth anywhere near that amount, the judge asked that two other people of considerable means, one of whom is cannot be a relative, sign the bond. Well, the lawyers for the disgraced former billionaire have now argued there's no need for the public to be aware of who these guarantors are. They don't want it getting out. They think that their, you know, identification could make them, you know, I don't know, put them in, in danger. But I think the world needs to know who stepped in there to sign the bail bond for a $250 million billionaire who conned you know, like half the United States out of its money. And yet we don't know. But maybe one day we will. Last thing I've got to wrap this segment up. Shine a little light, if you will, please, on why the DOJ is hiding hundreds of potentially responsive records on the Hunter Biden uh, laptop issue. So the Postmillennial reports, as of yesterday, that a lawsuit has been filed against the Department of Justice for admittedly having what they say are 400 pages of potentially responsive documents to a FOIA request about whether or not there was any relationship, communication, gifts, or remuneration in any form between the Bidens and China, Russia, or Ukraine. And they, they admit under, they, on the record that they've got potentially 400 pages. They only produced 60. And those 60 were basically just letters between congressmen and the DOJ. Well, they want to know, where are the 400? And why aren't you producing them? And they're just getting no answer. There's a status hearing coming up next week. 
where the DOJ may have to pony up or at least show cause as to why not. They admit they got 400 pages. They don't want to produce them. I think it's time for things to change in D.C. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, coming right back. The Grand Council with Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor and me. Y'all stay tuned. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, hour number three, covering down on the local, the state, the national, all the issues, man. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, this is that time of the week. I enjoy this. This is, this is Wednesday at 4 o'clock. We get together with some of my brethren who have been doing this longer than me. Uh, we call it the Grand Council. And uh, I got uh, two guys on the line right now. They're going to join me for pinging each other with questions and seeing what our thoughts are across the conservative spectrum. So uh, I'll just call the roll. So from uh, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, Cumulus Broadcasting's WVNN, Dale Jackson, are you here? Oh! Outstanding. Hey, by the way, I got a shout out to Dale Jackson from one of my listeners who says thank you for replacing the news breaks with uh, Fox as opposed to ABC. (laughs) (laughs) Means they quit contradicting me every time we go to break. (laughs) Um, All right. Then we also got uh, from uh, the Jeff Poor Show down at uh, FM Talk 106.5 and also the executive editor of 1819 News. Jeff Poor, are you here? I am present. You are indeed. All right, Boomer. I pronounce a quorum. Hit it. Assemble the Grand Council. Ta-da! Ta-da! All right, fellas, you know the deal. Uh, we ask each other questions. We don't even know the questions in advance. We just ping each other and see what we do. I'm going to take the first one this time. Uh, so McCarthy just lost for a sixth round of Votorama on the floor of the House, which, you know, by the way, I, I, my show, I've been saying this is healthy debate. I'm glad to see actual open, transparent debate. But here's my question for you. Is it time for a compromise candidate? Are we going to see somebody else in the Republican ranks that's going to wind up being the replacement for McCarthy? Are we there yet? Jeff Poor, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're going to see it. I, I, no one's going to budge. And, uh, you know, 20 is a big number. Yeah. And I, I, I would say this. If the number had been changing this whole time. Then maybe, but this isn't going anywhere. This is this is rested peace. You mean changing in favor of uh, McCarthy? It's been changing. Uh, or either way, yeah. uh, well, no, I mean, what, what, Byron Donalds has gone both ways, but no, I think uh, I think he is. Uh, I, I I think he's toast. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it too. He lost another one this afternoon for the last two votes. Uh, Victoria Sparts uh, has voted uh, present in order to not support anybody. 
Um, so that's that's he's, he's 21 down now. Uh, Dale Jackson, what you think, bud? Well, it's looking more and more like it. I mean, it looks more and more like they will uh, eventually have to come up with somebody else because these 20 people apparently have nothing to lose. So they've just decided there's <laughs> there's nothing to lose by bailing, or excuse me, by, by hanging firm here. So why not? Why not do it? Uh, they've already been told they're going to lose their committee assignments, so now they basically have to hold firm or they lose their committee assignments. So uh, I thought that was a smart play at the time, but I, it I, doesn't I, look like it now. Uh, you know, I, I look at it, and I, and I think it, it may be about that time, too. I don't know what they're going to come up with today. They've adjourned till 8 o'clock. By the way, if it's real, I think it is. I just saw a press release put out by Trump. He's, he's removed his support from McCarthy. Go figure. Um, and, and claims that McCarthy has greatly disappointed him because he didn't keep some promises oh he Trump on the phone last night or something crazy. Oh but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I think that by tomorrow we're going to have to start seeing the rise of a uh, compromised candidate. I don't. Let me stay on this for one more minute, guys. Can, is Byron Donald's been there long enough to be respected as the potential speaker? What do you think, uh, Jeff? No, it's not going to be him. He's just a placeholder yeah. for somebody to vote for. He's, he's not. No, they're not going to make him speaker. You, Dale? Yeah, no no chance. He's just there uh, to show that the, the crack was in the dam, and now they're just waiting for that crack to burst free. I mean, that's all, all right. this is. Fair enough. Dale, go ahead and take the next question. What you got? Who will be the first Alabama Republican uh, to bail on McCarthy? Uh, Who will be the first? Because there's going to have to be one, obviously. Who will be the first to go? That'd be Barry Moore, in my opinion. I I was surprised that Barry's already been voting for McCarthy. He was weak on him uh, until just uh, right before the vote, Uh, Jeff. Yeah, and I think he said publicly on April Marie Fogel's radio show uh, earlier that he is going to, uh, that McCarthy needed to consider taking a step back. Oh, so he said that today on another show? I believe so. That's what I'm told. Uh, I need to go verify it independently, but I'm told that he made comments as such. Ah, well, he's not on the record yet, but uh, that could get dicey tonight. Then we'll see. Uh, Your own question, Dale. What are you thinking? Uh, That's kind of reckless speculation that I like, Jeff Poor. Um, Listen, I I think that it it probably is Barry Moore. I've talked uh, to a couple of congressmen, and they seem pretty hardcore behind their support of McCarthy. But eventually, someone's got to go, and it was, you know, Barry Moore. Robert Adderholt, Dale Strong, those were the three uh, that if I were to, to rank who was going to go, uh, eventually it'd be one of those three. Uh, Dale Strong being a distant third, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Barry Moore would have to be the guy, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be Barry. I mean, Barry's a member of the Freedom Caucus anyway, and that's kind of his group. But, um, all right, Jeff Rowe, what question you got for round one of the Grand Council? What's what's more likely here that McCarthy gets it done with Democrats or that he gets out of the way and it's Steve Scalise? Well, you stole my question. Um, I, 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 I tell you what, he better not go with Dems because if he does, if he actually sides with Dems to get the seat, then he absolutely is everything he's been saying he's not. Um, and, uh, and that's exactly what we don't want. We don't want to see a majority taken back from Nancy Pelosi only to have Nancy Pelosi help side with Kevin McCarthy to get him in the seat. And, uh, so, um, don't do it or there's going to be a lynching on Capitol Hill in my words. Uh, Dale. Well, I, I think you're probably right. There'll be a lot of very angry people out there. Uh, but you know, again, I think one of the bigger problems that you're going to have here is once they back him into that corner, why not? I mean, why not do it? If they backed him into the corner, why not uh, pull the trigger and say, okay, uh, I'll work with Democrats? I, I just don't see 
what is to keep him from doing such a such a thing uh, even though you know people will view it as as traitorous and treasonous and all this other stuff uh, to the republican cause i mean it's not like the republicans are are being all that loyal to him at least those 20 so so i mean why not make a deal with democrats if you think you can save the day uh okay i tell you what jeff your own question before i follow up on that what are you what are you thinking about it it won't work because he'll lose Republican votes. He'll lose more Republicans than he'll gain in Dems if he starts to do that. It's a fool's errand. So, you, you know, you go to the Democrats, and then all of a sudden, you're going to start losing You're going to start losing votes. That will cause McCarthy to lose votes, and I, I think he loses more net-net than he gains. Um, you know what? I, I, I agree, and, and I, I tell you what, that's, that's, that's my follow-up, too. I was going to say, if he does that, I think he, he winds up being somewhere in the 30 to 40 uh, that are not supporting him, and it's irrecoverable at that point. Uh, so is I, it irrecoverable? I think, uh, because yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's, well, it's, it's, it's over. He pulls it off. It's not irrecoverable. I mean, he's not going to pull it off. Dale, he can't pull it off. He can't pull it off because he'll lose two Republican votes for every one he gains a Democrat. Hold on. Oh, that means that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pull their votes in the moment. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, mean, I think, All right. I think All if right. he comes to the floor and you start seeing, hey, wait a minute, what just happened? Why are those Democrats voting for McCarthy? I'm not getting on board with this. I think you'll see a revolt on the floor. I think you would. Okay. Um, and it, it could get real ugly at that point. And then all of a sudden, the guy who McCarthy's been claiming to be on every news show and in every campaign commercial and all the speeches he's making to raise money for the Republican caucus is out the window because he just became Nancy Pelosi's stooge. That's what's going to happen. There. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Round one. Uh, lively. And all on one topic, too, by the way. Uh, let's do this, Boomer. Let's take the break about one minute earlier than usual. We'll come right back and we'll do round two of the Grand Council. That flew by, and that just flew by. All right. Phil Williams, along with Dale Jackson and uh, Jeff Poor, Grand Council, Wednesdays at four. We'll be right back. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. We're going right back to the Grand Council with uh, Jeff Poor from FM Talk 106.5 and 1819 News. And uh, Dale Jackson from WVNN up in Huntsville and Yellowhammer News himself. All right, fellas, uh, I think I've got the first question on uh, round number two. Uh, so I tell you what, I'm going to stick with this whole thing about the Speaker of the House deal. Uh, I think it was 1859. Like the last time we actually had more than one vote cast to get to the speaker, it only took three, and that was in like 1923. And then 1859, I think it was, we had like 133 consecutive votes. It took them all the way into February. Here's my question for you. How long is too long? How long should this go? Um, it has to go until it goes, but you know what I'm saying. How long is too long on this, Jeff? Uh, probably tonight. I, and just if, <laughs> if McCarthy doesn't get it done today – just got to, he's got to, he's leaking oil. And here's the deal. It's not just the, these, these freedom caucus guys, but you start to hear that the Don Bacon's and Dan Crenshaw's are they're, they're talking to the other side. He'll start losing moderate Republicans. So he's, he's leaking from both sides. 
uh, it, nothing's changed, and people are kind of getting tired of like, why are we, why are we have to go through this if you can't get the job done? He, he McCarthy, he wants to stick to his guns, but I, I, I don't think there's going to be that tight for it. And, and you know what's crazy too is he's already physically moved into the speaker's office, which I find to be a bit presumptive. Uh, but he's already he already moved boxes and and staff into the speaker's uh, office suite. Uh, Dale, your thoughts. How long is too long? Yeah, that was a, a little bit of a boneheaded move on, on his part, especially since the way they've used it against him uh, here. Yeah, I think it has to get done here relatively soon. I, I think they're getting kind of tired of this. And, you know, I, I think the whole thing really, you find this uh, very unseemly. And I think people feel that way about the whole thing. And I think they're kind of tired of it. And it's making them look bad on their first day. The gang that can't shoot straight, all that jazz. And I think people are getting just kind of frustrated with it. See, I, I got a, I got a bit of a different read on it, though. I, I, I gave my whole monologue today to the idea that this is democracy in action, that what we're seeing is healthy. Pelosi's regime didn't allow open debate. They didn't allow committee amendments. They didn't allow transparency. And, uh, and we've, we've actually got democracy working in front of the TV cameras, and people are actually seated, not doing proxy votes and doing roll call, and they're working it out. So, I mean— I'm not there yet. I, th I think this is this is healthy in the democracy sense, uh, and it's certainly a change from where we would have been under Pelosi's regime. But um, that's just my thoughts. Um, who had the next question? Dale, I think you're next. All right, I, I kind of want to come back here uh, to maybe not the hardcore political world. Is football in trouble? I, I know everyone likes to say, oh, it's the vaccine, uh, myocarditis, and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, but instead, what you have here is a, a relatively healthy guy, and it looks like the, the actual blow to his chest, uh, put him into cardiac arrest, and, and a lot of people are very worried about that. How much does this hurt football? Is football in serious trouble? Uh, you can go first, Jeff. I, I don't think so. There's, uh, you know, this, the, 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 the moral outrage, the virtue signaling, it's all coming from, uh, it's either coming from a place where sports writers who want to be more important than uh, than they should be, or it's just the usual suspect. So I, I, th this will... This will pass, and I, you know, I, it's not even clear that this was necessarily a, you know, solely a football-related injury. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think what you're, I think it's, I don't think it's going to hurt football in the long run. They may have some protocols for, you know, advanced physicals, but supposedly they all have advanced physicals before they even get on the field in the first place. So I, I, I mean, I look at this. What a horrible situation, and how horrible would it have been to be on the sidelines uh, watching one of your teammates have CPR performed on him, literally on the field. But all that to say, every sports pundit that I've seen over the last few days has said that in all their years of being a sports pundit, they have never seen this happen before. So you can't take a one-off and change the overall dynamic. You might see some protocols, but I don't think it's going to hurt football in terms of the fan base and the ability to, to you know, make money. Uh, your own question, Dale, what are you thinking? No, I don't think so. I, I think there'll be a push, and I think people will, will make a lot of noise about it. But I, I think both of you are correct in your analysis that says this is coming from a place that is not sports related or those people who say, hey, we should have shut down sports altogether over the last couple of years. So that these are people who are not really coming at it from a good place. Yeah, let's find a serious person to talk about it. Um, all right, Jeff, what you got, man? Last question for the round. So knowing what we know about the speaker's race, and it's it's been uh, tumultuous and pretty much a disaster. What are the next two years going to look like uh, in Washington, D.C.? Uh, how is... How is that going to go? Just the dynamic of a Democrat White House, a Democrat Senate, and not really sure what the House is going to become, but a presumably Republican. What, what I mean, you, you, are they going to be able to do even get a standing committee on Hunter Biden? 
in the house? So I think the short answer is, yeah, they're going to get there. Um, I, 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 I think the another part of the healthiness of this debate we're in right now is that if they truly achieve the concessions being asked for by the uh, Freedom Caucus, or at least some of them, I think that's good for the overall. And we're going to wind up seeing some rule changes. We're going to see some floor votes on things that people have been avoiding for years, like term limits, uh, just an up or down. They may not, and they know it's not going to win, but it, but putting people on the record is also significant. So I, I really think that what we're looking at here is going to wind up making it stronger in the long run. And then, you know, my only concern, though, is all the investigations, everything they've talked about is investigate this, investigate that. I want to see some freaking policy. I want to see something that says we care about public policy. And so um, that's my concern is they, they've got to move forward on policy, knowing that they have to put the Senate on the spot because the Senate's not going to help them a lot. At the very least, put them on the spot uh, and make them work. Um, Dale, what are you thinking? Well, I, I think you're right. I, I think that, like you said, the policy stuff is, is correct. But like you said, it's going to fail in the Senate anyway. So you're going to see a lot of show votes and things like that, which I'm fine with. I mean, just draw the distinction between where these parties stand. I, I have absolutely no problem uh, with that. I think you're going to get that, whether it's Kevin McCarthy or Jim Jordan or Matt Gates. I, I think you'll get that kind of stuff, which is kind of why I think the whole thing is kind of stupid in, in, at the end of the day. It all seems rather ridiculous because they're quibbling over very small differences and causing big problems because of it. How long do these problems last? I don't know, but here's what I do know. At the end of all of this, for the next two years, if Kevin McCarthy is the speaker, it's going to be, oh, this just must be something Kevin McCarthy had to give them to get speaker. And if he loses, it will become, oh, yeah, this is exactly why they had to stop Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy becomes a good guy uh, in the eyes of the media. So it should be interesting to watch. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't think some of these are, 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 are tacky little things. I mean, I think when you look at it and say, hey, we're going to make it so that bills have to be on the floor for a certain period of time before they go to a floor vote to give everybody a chance to read it, that's just good public policy. And then when you look at things like we're going to bring a vote to the floor up or down on term limits and put everybody on the record, I think that's a good idea. Um, so these concessions, I mean, they may seem like they're not much in the big scheme, but they're things that have been not allowed to happen by the establishment. And but I they gave them up. He, he gave them everything they wanted, he, he right? He didn't give them some of it. He did. But there's some not, not everything. they asking for, but not everything. And so right now, he still doesn't have the... And by the way, he's known since November who the caucus was going to be. And why is he waiting till now to try and work it out? He didn't, he didn't do his, he didn't do his right. pre-work, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. All right, gentlemen. Appreciate you. Uh, another good round. By the way... Um, in case you didn't know, uh, United Bandlines just named uh, Alabama as the number 10th best state to move to in terms of all their bandlines. Oh, that's unfortunate because we're full. Sorry, <laughs> anyone listening online. There, there's just, there's, there, we're full. I'm sorry. You can't keep coming here. We're all full. Sorry. <laughs> well, nonetheless, uh, things looking up. Uh, we'll see where it goes. All right, fellas. Hey, appreciate you. Happy New Year to you. We'll see you soon. All right, good round of the uh, of the Grand Council. Uh, gets a little lively sometimes, um, but uh, those guys, man, I tell you what, I can't tell you how much I appreciate Dale Jackson. He's the reason why I got into radio, uh, and then Jeff Poor has been a huge support to me all along the way. So uh, to both of them, thank you, fellas. Happy New Year. Look forward to working with you in the days to come. All right, listen, that's the end of the Grand Council for today. We'll come right back. I'll take a stab at uh, triple Dipper number three. It's open season on ESG. Y'all stay tuned.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, listen, before I go any further, I got to tell you, you guys have heard me talk about my friends at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, and they are truly my friends. I do know them personally. I was talking to them on the phone yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, So I've worked with them on cases. I've worked with them on issues. They are solid on the law. They are also a firm that I would say is solid on the politics, if you know what I mean. Um, And they are working at Camp Lejeune water contamination case. They got like five lawyers working that. So if you were at Camp Lejeune at any time between 1953 and 1987, that's a big spread. Um, you may well have been exposed to water contamination that has been confirmed to be attributable to 19 different major illnesses. Wow. Service member, dependent, contractor, TDY, permanent duty station, training, doesn't matter. You were there. Uh, You might want to call Riley and Jackson. I'll tell you how in just a minute. But one more thing they're also working on that they just called and said the other day, hey, could you tell them about this? If you were a firefighter, or in the military using firefighting foam, there is a version of firefighting foam that has been determined to be carcinogenic, truly. And so if you've been exposed to it and have developed cancer, you may be eligible for a claim. Here's the thing. If you call Riley and Jackson, they're based in Birmingham, but they work all over the state. If you call them, uh, you may well find that, first of all, they won't charge you. They'll talk to you, but they won't even get paid unless they get a claim done for you. So, yeah, Riley and Jackson Law Firm. Here's their number. You ready? 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. Give them a call, and please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Oh, and no representation made of the quality legal service before is greater than quality legal service before other lawyers. Bam. That was faster than 2.7. That had to have been. That had to have been. All right. Hey, I got a caller who held on during the line, so uh, let me let me thank him for his time and jump over there real quick. Uh, line one, Brian from Huntsville. Brian, how you doing, man? Uh, doing well, sir, and I enjoyed the Grand Council, and it's got me hopping about something, that, mad about something you said. You said it in the positive, the right way, which is McCarthy needs to buy in to not throwing out 4,000-page documents in the middle of the night claiming it is transparent because yeah. everybody got to have it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. And the American public needs a chance to review much of that as well. Totally agree. Totally. I mean, how hard can that be, right? Give, give them a few days to assess and, and review um, and, then, we, and then make a responsible decision. We elect him. It's not the other way around. He does not appoint us. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So it, and then the last thing is, uh, it, you don't you don't have to be a member of Congress to be Speaker of the House. And I sure wish this man was still alive because I, the old comedian, I would love to have him elected Speaker of the House. Would that be Sam Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a hoot, and I'm not sure there'd be much governance, but it would be a hoot nonetheless. Uh, uh, it would at least slow things down. Uh, have a good it, one. it would do sir. that. Bye. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you. Oh wow! There, there's that's Sam Kennison, the Speaker of the House. <laughs> say it. They'd be calling the vote. He'd be yelling, "Say it!" Um, all right, hey uh, Ben from Decatur just texted in. He says, "Phil, on your previous topic, FBI paying three point four million dollars to cover up files." 
Perhaps this was their quid pro quo for Twitter to pay the salary of James Baker to guard those files. That is interesting. That is very interesting. So James Baker, if you're not familiar, was a former chief legal counsel for the FBI who, um, you know, after some difficulties with the whole Russia collusion mess, he left the FBI, but he got hired to be the chief legal counsel for Twitter. And he's the one who was actually trying to screen some of the Twitter files that Elon Musk has been sending out. And uh, when Musk found out about it, he fired him. Uh, so, so yeah, Ben from Decatur with a like, what a what a what a great conspiracy theory that maybe the three point four million was to help pay James Baker. That's interesting. Um, Mike from Huntsville talking about the uh, the, the football uh, injury situation we talked about on the Grand Council says when players are so worried about lowering their heads because of targeting, I think more of these will happen. Very low rate, but a higher risk. That's interesting. Uh, you know, the, the whole targeting thing is, has really changed football. There have been some calls where you look at it and go, yeah, wow. Others you look at it and go, oh, come on. But um, I guess what he's saying is he thinks that uh, this could wind up creating more chest impacts in, um, because you're trying to avoid the head. So I don't know. Well, we'll see. Mike, good, good point. Uh, Daryl from Huntsville. Um, Oh, Daryl Munsell says, with regards to the football injury, he says, the same thing occurred last year during a soccer game I was watching when it happened. He says, it's been over 18 months, but Christian Erickson collapsed on the pitch at uh, the Euro 2020 after suffering a cardiac arrest. The Danish midfielder received life-saving treatment during his country's game against Finland in June of 21, eventually was resuscitated and taken to the hospital. That's tragic. Um, Daryl, if you're hearing this, uh, text me and tell me how he's doing now, because I'd be curious. Uh, Glenn from uh, Piedmont um, actually sent me a string of them. I, I don't know that I can get through all these because I'm not sure what they're saying. Uh, but uh, Tony from Piedmont, I'm sorry. But he did say, uh, with regards to Dale Jackson, glad he got me in radio. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, thank you very much. And then uh, James from Tony says, Brian should have said George Carlin for speaker. <laughs> At least we'd have words we couldn't use in Congress then, right? The uh, George Carlin used to have the list of words you're not allowed to say. Um, so, okay, yeah, we'll see. Hey, listen, you know what? I, I don't know that I'm going to wind up getting to this uh, third part of the Triple Dipper. I mean, remember, we end the show in like uh, 12 minutes of airtime. So That's right. I mean, I, you got a lot there, so maybe you should I've got it. a stack. I think half the stack was this one segment. <laughs> I got a I got a piece here I'm going to do. I'm going to save it to tomorrow, but here's the bottom line. I'll, I'll lead off with this. It's I called this section Open Season on ESG. Well, that needs to happen because environmental, social, and governance investing is the ruination of American finance, in my opinion. You've got literally, you've got trillions of dollars of investment portfolios that are being managed not for the level of profit they bring, but for how much woke policy they can get involved in. Is that company going to wind up speaking out for Black Lives Matter? Is that company on board with the LGBTQ agenda? Is that company for the Green New Deal? If they're not, then BlackRock and others like them are divesting uh, of their, um, their, uh, those, there's those companies in their portfolios, which means that it drives down the stock value of certain companies who are literally just doing what they're supposed to do like oil and gas. One of the things we're seeing right now so often is that ESG investing portfolios, the ones who literally say up front, we take into account your ESG scores. ESG scores is another way of social credit scores. That's all that is. How well do you rate in the imaginary minds or the imaginary perceptions 
of, uh, of, of some woke conscious investment folks. So, yeah, um, when, you, when you start driving down stock values and divesting of good, solid companies that contribute to the economy, you are not in it anymore to make a profit. You're in it to make a statement. And that's not what you're there for. So we're going to deal with that more tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll take that and, uh, and move it to tomorrow's. So John from Huntsville, I apologize. I didn't get all three of the dippers. He's usually the one that keeps me on track with that. Um, Tony from Piedmont just texted in and says, uh, uh, that's the problem. We end up in the weeds instead of the bigger picture. And um, I'm, I'm guessing he means with regards to the uh, ESG stuff. Daryl from Huntsville texted back in again about the guy who, the soccer player who, uh, who got hurt. Um, and Daryl, I don't have time to read all the, all the links you sent me. Uh, he was given cardio, he was given CPR later fitted with an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. And he returned to, to soccer eight months. They say football. I call it soccer. Eight months later, eventually playing with Man United, Man United, my team. I was a Man United. I lived in, I lived in London for three years. Man United was my team. Man United is magic. Tracy from Athens. All the conspiracy theories are coming true. She says, I think Elon Musk even texted that. All the conspiracy theories are coming true. Hey, let me let me jump over here real quick and tell you guys uh, it's go home time, right? You're probably thinking, all right, tomorrow morning I'm coming into work. I'm so tired of the regular biscuit. I'm so tired of eating in my car. I'm so tired of getting nappy coffee from the break room when I get to work in that old moldy coffee pot that no one ever washes. How about this? Stop in the morning. Just Love Coffee Cafe. The weather is going to be better tomorrow. We're not going to be facing the storms we had today. So, so stop at Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Yeah. Go in there and get yourself something far beyond the usual biscuit in a drive-thru. You know what I'm saying? I mean, get yourself a womlet. It's a giant omelet filled with everything in the world, including tater tots, and they cook it in a waffle iron. It comes out super big and fluffy. Love that thing. You can, you can also get waffles, the Berry Berry by Berry waffles, any number of other versions. And then while you're at it, don't go get the regular coffee. Maybe get one of the treat coffees that Charlene talks about, like the cappuccinos, the lattes, the espressos. Or for that matter, just go ahead and get them to grind the beans fresh and make you a cup of light roast, medium roast, or dark roast award-winning coffees. So yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area. One on Hughes Road in Madison. The other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. You will not be disappointed. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We're about a minute earlier than usual, but we'll do that now and come right back and wrap up the day. It's been a good one. It's been a full one. And plenty more to come. The house will go back in at 8 o'clock tonight. We'll see what comes of it. Is Kevin McCarthy going to be the speaker? I have a feeling we'll be talking about it tomorrow. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid conservative 
just plain right. Okay. Hey, listen, um, I got to, before we go any further, I got to tell you about ZLA Solutions. You hear me talk about them all the time. That's because these are friends of mine who I know, and they are a sponsor who's been with the show since the very beginning. I mean, they were literally out the gate, one of the first ones to say, yeah, we're on board with that right side radio thing. And I know these folks personally. They do a great job at what they do. What they do is they help you make your business better. Now, they can do all kinds of things, sorting and containment, quality control, logistics, warehousing. They've got all kinds of business end solutions, but their bread and butter, man, is staffing. Direct or temp, it doesn't matter. Direct hire or temp. They, they, can, they can help you out with onesies and twosies of special niche skills or an entire shift of people. So, yeah, you might want to check them out. ZLA Solutions. Their website is ZLAUSA.com. If you're looking for a job, they've got jobs posted. If you're an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, they can help you with that, too. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing. I always say blue collar, white collar, no collar. It don't matter. They are there to help you make your business better. ZLA Solutions. Please check them out. Tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Their website is ZLAUSA.com. That's how you find out more. All right. Uh, I got to tell you, as I, as I kind of close out the day here, um, there were some interesting moments on the House floor today. Um, I saw a headline that said that Chip Roy, of all people, who, who is, is one of the House uh, Freedom Caucus guys who's been holding out on the votes against McCarthy, that Chip Roy got a standing ovation from both sides of the aisle. I thought, what was that about? And I had to go, you know, because I'm, I'm here in studio. I have the sound muted on the TVs. And Boomer and I, we got to do what we're doing and, and, and can't always track what's being said. But I noted at one point that he did. He, he got an he got a ovation, and I thought, what's that? And anyway, here's the deal. Chip Roy got a standing ovation after noting the historic nominations of two black Americans. I, that's, that's actually true. So if you're not familiar with um, Byron Donalds, uh, the Republican, I really like that guy. Sharp as a tack, man. Coming across as a conservative leader who is going to wind up making a dent in politics in the years to come. I mean, I see him really uh, being around for a while, but Byron Donalds is a black man from Florida. And then Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat nominee, is also a black man from New York. And so Chip Roy rightfully pointed out, this is the first time we've ever been on the floor of the Senate, or the House, I mean, and seen the nomination of two black individuals for Speaker of the House at the same time. And that's true. Very cool. Now, what's interesting is, is he, he went on to say, um, it doesn't matter in terms of their character or who they are, though, because that's the guiding force. Their color of their skin, he says, is not what matters. He says, we don't seek to judge people by the color of their skin, but rather the content of their character. Byron Donalds, he says, is a good man. Raised by a single mom, he moved past adversity, became a Christian at the age of 21, has devoted his life to advancing that cause for his family and his country, and he's done so admirably. That's uh, Chip Roy talking about Byron Donalds. He went on to say he also felt like Byron Donalds could bring a change in perspective to Congress. He said, there's an important reason for nominating Byron, that this is a country that needs change. This country needs leadership that does not reflect this city or this town that is badly broken. Um, wow, that's, that's, a, that's a heck of a nomination. I will point out that um, apparently the statement that I saw indicates that Donald Trump withdrew his support of uh, Kevin McCarthy and said everybody should get behind, and he spelled his name wrong. He spelled it Brian Donalds. <laughs> so you look at that and you go, okay, man, you're a billionaire, and you were a former president of the United States, and you got nobody spell-checking your stuff. Come on, Mr. President. So he issued a statement in favor of 
Byron Donalds, but he spelled his name Brian Donalds. K. But even though Chip Roy made that gracious remark and acknowledged that the Democrats have also nominated who they believe is their top leader, uh, who's a black man, um, and it got bipartisan ovation, then you had Cory Bush. Cory Bush, who is one of the most racist individuals to ever hold elected office, who, I, I'll be honest with you, I could spend an entire show on Cory Bush, uh, an activist, uh, a racist, someone who has no qualities that bring her to the point of being in Congress, and yet there she is. And she went literally uh, right out the gate, and she was asked on an interview with, uh, who was she on? Was it MSNBC? Anyway, she made the claim, oh, I take it back, it was in a tweet. Democrat Representative-elect Cory Bush of Missouri attacked Republican Representative-elect Byron Donalds of Florida, who is black, of being nothing more than a prop to help support white supremacy. Give me a break. What a, what a jack wagon. What an absolutely ungrateful jack wagon. Uh, so I, I guess she's one of those that would, you know, that claim that as long as it's not a Democrat, that it must be white supremacy. That, and that's what she's saying. She basically called him an Uncle Tom, which is just absolutely the most insulting thing I think I've seen come out of a member of Congress's mouth, and I can't tell you when. She made the claim, it says in a Wednesday tweet, claiming that Donald's inclusion in the mix is not historic and calling his inclusion in the speaker vote pathetic. She said that uh, Wednesday's vote was, a, oh, the, the, I'm sorry, the storyline says Wednesday's vote was the first time two black candidates for the Speaker of the House, Donald's and Democrat Hakeem Jeffries, were nominated simultaneously. She says, for what it's worth, Donald's is not a historic candidate for Speaker. He's a prop. Despite being black, he supports a policy agenda intent on upholding and perpetuating white supremacy. His name being in the mix is not progress. It's just pathetic. Well, Cory Bush, I think pathetic is a word that we might use to flip the tables on your testimony. Um, that's just that's just awful. Just just ridiculous. And then the other thing that was kind of interesting on the floor today. So uh, a new congresswoman elect from Florida, Kat Kamek, who I, I don't know anything about her. Uh, for whatever reason, she was uh, called upon to make the nomination for Kevin McCarthy, and she did. And she got jeers, whereas Chip Roy got cheers. She got jeers with a J uh, from the Democrats because she tried to be cute and say, Democrats want to divide us, and that's why they brought their popcorn and blankets and alcohol to the House floor, at which point the booze went up. Oh, come on. Probably sounded a little bit like uh, listening to the House of Parliament in uh, Great Britain. Um, anyway, we will see how that plays out. All right, we got a lot more on Slate for tomorrow. You know we're coming back on ESG investing. You know we're coming back on whatever happens with the House tonight or doesn't happen with the House tonight. And I suspect there'll be a little bit of extra stuff added in as well. I don't know. Is Kevin McCarthy going to step aside? Mm, too soon to tell. Is the debate we're talking about right now healthy? Yes, it absolutely is. I stand by my opening comments for today's show. It is absolutely democracy in action. There is no shame in the fact that we have a group of people who have been given the opportunity, elected by their constituencies, to go to D.C. to try and make a difference, who are literally standing there trying to make a difference. I mean, this is Mr. Smith goes to Washington, in my opinion. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. You guys have an amazing night. We'll see you then.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.